0: Howdy. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. I'm currently heading to Poland, so I have pre-recorded a couple episodes to be released while I am gone. This talk was given at St. Augustine Catholic Church to my confirmation students and their parents and sponsors. We also just recorded a new intro and outro music, so let me know what you think by sending me an email at FonsecaProduction at gmail.com or reach out to me on social media at F-F-O-N-Z-E. That's Fonzie on Instagram and Twitter. Okay that's enough intro so enjoy the talk and let me know what you think okay so I want to introduce myself because uh, a lot of y'all uh, don't know um, don't know who I am. So my name is Adrian Fonseca. I'll be—I had the uh, privilege and the honor of teaching uh, your students and your uh, your kids for over the last uh, few months, and it's been a pleasure of mine. Uh, it was amazing. I enjoyed every moment of it, and so thank you very much for allowing me to have that time with them. Uh, so I am a student at the University of Saint Thomas. I'm studying theology and communications uh, at the university, and um, the real thing—the uh, thing about me though—is I'm not. Really, that special. Um, I'm just like I'm just a sinner, like everyone else. That's the that's the that's the, the facade that everybody puts on. Uh, people act as though they're holy and that they have it figured out, uh, but I don't. I don't have it figured out. I'm uh, learning. I'm trying to um, show what the faith has been throughout history of the church. Not, nothing I say is new. Nothing I say uh, is my own thoughts. I just take what the saints and the church fathers have said, and I present it to y'all in order that uh, y'all get the richness of the faith, that y'all get these great depths that I, uh, that I have found out, and I want to share it with y'all. Um, and so my goal as a uh, catechist is twofold. One is to get to heaven. Uh, I want to get to heaven. And my second goal is to bring as many people with me. Those are my two goals in life, to get to heaven and bring as many people with me. And so that's what I want to talk to y'all about today. Uh, I want to ask, uh, what is y'all's goal in life? What is, uh, what is it that y'all are seeking in your life? And so I think a lot of people are dreaming way too small. So I'm going to begin with scripture. Uh, in the first letter to Timothy, chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the faithful in word, in conversation, in charity, in faith, in chastity. So that passage is often quoted in reference to the youth. And so they're saying that, as a young person, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to stand up for your beliefs. Don't be afraid to be an example to others. Um, And so that's why I hope that your students, your kids, uh, my students, y'all's kids, uh, that they have uh, learned uh, this time. And so I'm going to share with y'all a story. So in 1927, in Mexico, there was uh, a war going on. There was the Cruceros War. And so during this time, there, the uh, president of Mexico hated the Catholic Church. Uh, they started burning churches and executing priests. It was forbidden for people to wear uh, clerics, so a father couldn't have, go around wearing a collar. Uh, any kind of priest, a Dominican, uh, would not be allowed to wear his habit. Uh, the, it was completely banned. And so because sanctity like vice is contagious, uh, people saw uh, this evilness growing and so these people got together and they called themselves uh, the Cruceros. And so they um, started fighting for the faith. They got together and they were fighting day and night to defend the faith and to defend uh, the Catholic Church because they knew it to be the true. and their battle cry was "Viva Cristo Rey. So uh, so the, so the uh, young boy there's a young boy at this time who lived at the same time period growing up during this time, and because sanctity like vice is contagious. The little boy saw the cruceros and he saw them and he said, "I want to do that. I want to fight for my faith. I want to fight for the church. I want to fight for what I believe is right." And so this little boy, he asked to join the army, uh, but they told him no. They said, "No, you can't join the army. You're too young," uh, and they don't—they didn't want the child to die. And so they said no, but he kept persisting, uh, begging him for a chance to go and serve, uh, to serve God and country, and so. uh, They eventually relented and let him join. But what he did was he stayed on base, and he would clean uh, rifles, he would uh, sweep, he would clean, he would cook. He said, I'm good at making beans, is what he said. Um, So that's what he did. And so that's what he did most of his uh, time while he was started off in the army. Over time, uh, when he got a little bit older, and by a little bit older, I mean like 13, uh, they let him go out into battle uh, with the the cruceros. And so what he would do is he would ride along and he would go and he would, def- and he would, um, he would go and find people who were sick and injured. And he would go and, re- and help them. And he would find the sick and he would start ministering to them while they were on the floor dying. He would be, uh, that was his job. That's what he would do. And so there was this one battle. There's a vicious battle where the Corsettos are going and they're attacking uh but they started losing started losing ground and so the uh the mexican government was uh was moving on to them and so the Cruceros had uh, were on horseback the general for the uh Criseros, he fell off his horse and his uh because his horse got shot and was dead and so uh this little boy uh by now y'all probably know who i'm talking about saint jose sanchez de rio uh he saw that the general was uh was on the ground uh and so they were like this guy he's like the general is going to die and so what he does is he rides over on his horse to the general. He gets off his horse and he tells the general uh, to take my horse. Go. You're more important. And so the general goes, "No, go. Run away because they're they're gaining on him. They're taking people captive and there are people getting shot." But he says, "No, your life is uh, is more important." And so uh overcome with the sacrifice of uh Jose Sanchez, they he takes the horse and he leaves. And so Jose Sanchez gets captured. So he's captured and the way where they imprison him is they imprisoned him into a sanctuary of a church. So the Mexican government were taking over churches and they were they turned him into different things. This church he threw him in and they locked him into the church. And so that's where he was locked in uh with a, a guy named Lorenzo was also with him. And so while he was there, he actually wrote a letter to his parents, to his mother. And I'm going to read you um, an excerpt from the letter and parents um, Maybe you'll be able to think about how this uh, would affect you if you got a letter from your kids saying this. And for uh, the students, think about uh, someone that's younger than y'all writing this letter. He says, My dear mother, I was made a prisoner in battle today. I think I will die soon, but I do not care, mother. Resign yourself to the will of God. I will die happy because I die on the side of our God. Do not worry about my death, which would mortify me. Tell my brothers to follow the example that their youngest brother leaves them. And do the will of God. Have courage and send me your blessing along with my father's. Send my regards to everyone one last time. And finally, receive the heart of your son who loves you so much and who wanted to see you before dying. Jose Sanchez de Rio. So the... That kind of message, sending that out, I can't imagine being a parent and getting that message from their child. He was a young man, and his whole life, he was devoted to God. He would always, he would go to daily Mass, even whenever he joined the military, he always made it uh, a priority to go to daily Mass. He never missed. So in being imprisoned inside of a church, he was unable to go to Mass, ironically enough. And so what they would do is in this church, they also stored their prized uh, roosters because they had cockfights. And so they had their prized roosters and they put them inside of the sanctuary of the church. And so these roosters are running around the sanctuary and they would perch onto the altar and they'd perch on the tabernacle. And Jose Sanchez was disgusted by the fact that they would have these animals running around the sanctuary of the church on the sacred altar, the altar in which symbolizes Christ's own body. I don't know if y'all know this, but an altar, whenever an altar is consecrated in a church, they carve in uh, five crosses on the four corners and the one in the center. The four corners to symbolize the hands, the feet, and the center to symbolize the side, the wounds that Christ had. And then the the altar is then anointed with holy oil, with chrism. And it is a symbol of Christ, which is why you bow to the altar, because it's a symbol of Christ. And the tabernacle, the tabernacle, you genuflect to the tabernacle, because it has our, the, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, inside of that tabernacle. Jesus is inside of that tabernacle, his body, blood, soul, and divinity. And so whenever you go to the tabernacle, you genuflect to the tabernacle, because our Lord is present there. And so seeing these roosters uh, perching onto it drove him mad. He thought it was the biggest sacrilege ever. It reminded him of the time when Jesus saw people selling things in the temple. And Jesus, what did he do? He fashioned a whip, and he whips the people, and he throws over the tables, and he runs them out of the temple. He said, you have turned my father's house into a place of uh, den of thieves. So So Jose Sanchez goes over, and he breaks the necks of the roosters. And whenever the soldiers came in, they saw the dead roosters. Now, these are their prized roosters, These were their uh, roots that they had paid good money for because they fought. And so they were furious with Jose Sanchez. And so they scolded Jose Sanchez. They threatened his life. And uh, before they they did this, so I jumped a little bit ahead. So uh, one other story before I go on further. Whenever he was first captured, they asked him, uh, they tried to get him to become part of their side, to join the government side, uh, to fight against the Catholics. And he said, I'd rather die first. I will not go with those monkeys, never with those persecutors of the church. If you let me go, tomorrow I will return to the Cristeros. Viva Cristo Rey, viva la Virgen de Guadalupe. That was his response. That was always his response whenever he was persecuted. Always. And so whenever they saw that he killed his, their animals, they said they were going to put him to death. But Jose didn't care. He said, The only thing I know is that the house of God is not a corral nor a barnyard. I am, willing to do- I am willing to endure everything. Shoot me now so that I can go before our Lord. He wanted to be a martyr because his goal was to get to heaven. That was his goal. His whole life was directed towards getting to heaven. Nothing else mattered. And so before they were going to kill him, his aunt uh, snuck him a meal, but hidden inside of that meal was the Blessed Sacrament. So they hid the Blessed Sacrament inside of a meal and gave it to him. And he consumed the Blessed Sacrament, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord. He consumed it. It was his last meal. That was his last meal, of the Holy Eucharist. And so after he received the Eucharist, they took him out. And the plan was was to get rid of him quietly, to just execute him and be done with him. But for some reason, they decided to make a show of him instead. So what they did was they got the bottoms of his feet and they got a knife and they carved off the bottoms of his feet. And so they carved off the bottoms of his feet and then covered the road with salt and told him to march to the end of the road where he would dig himself a grave. So he started marching, started marching and he was in pain the entire time. Every step he took burned. And every time they would stab him, because as he was going along, people would stab him, they'd throw things at him. They would tell him, all you have to say is death to Christ the, Christ the King. That's all you have to say and we'll be done. And every time he would reply, viva Cristo Rey. So at the end of the road, he gets to the end of the road, and he's there. And at this point, he sees his father and mother. They bring out his father and mother so that they can see their son. And all he has to do is say death to Christ the King and he can go home. He said that he was going to cry. But he said, I would not let myself cry in front of my mother and in front of all these women. And so he held back his tears as he's being stabbed. And he said, every time he would get stabbed, he would yell, Viva Cristo Rey. He would say, Long live Christ the King, and long live the Virgin of Guadalupe. Every single time. And he said, if I stop saying it because of exhaustion, if I stop saying it because I've been stabbed too many times, if you see even my toes move, that's what I am trying to say. And so by this time, The general of the Mexican government was fed up with it. So he went off and grabbed a pistol and walks over and shoots Jose Sanchez in the head. Yeah. Sanctity, like vice, is contagious. The story of Jose Sanchez started spreading everywhere. And today he's a saint, so he's spread all over the entire world now. He's a saint of the universal church. A little boy from Mexico, the same age as you guys here. Sanctity like vice is contagious. They went and took his body and they gave him a proper Catholic burial. Just like he would have wanted. So, to shift gears a bit. And uh, maybe not to the happiest topic. I'm going to talk to you all a little bit about uh, the the end-of-the-world predictions. So, like, there's always people saying that the the end-of-the-world is coming, right? I hear it all the time. And most recently, I saw an article uh, from Business Insider that said, there is so much carbon dioxide in the atmosphere that planting trees can no longer save us. We have 12 years left to live. Awesome. Uh, Let's see, what other cases? Pat Robertson in 1990 said the the end-of-the-world would be in 2007. He wrote a book in 1990 And he said that the end of the world was going to happen in 2007. 2007 has been passed, if y'all didn't know. Um, And then a Protestant minister uh, named Harold Camping predicted that there would be a rapture and uh, devastating earthquakes on the 21st of May, 2011. So um, that didn't happen either. Now, y'all might remember this one. 2012, the Mayan calendar was running up. And they said, this is the end of the world. They made a movie about it. I mean, if if they make a movie about it, you know it's serious. Uh, so the movie came out, and 2012 came, 2012 left, and we're still here. So people are always naming uh, all these predictions of the end of the world. Uh, in fact, there's a, I looked it up, and there's at least three um, end of the world scenarios happening in, a, in about a month or two. Uh, so the world's about to end, guys. So what's my point? My point is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when the world's going to end, because our world will end one day. One day, I'm going to die. One day, you are going to die. We're mortals. We die. That's what happens. Even our blessed Lord died. So how many more years of life do you have? So the average life expectancy for a man in America today is 76 years old. Women, you're a little lucky. You have an average life expectancy of 80. So a little bit more time. So that means for me, I have 55 years left on this earth. How about you? Well, unless I get in a wreck or anything else happens. Who knows? I could die today. I could die tomorrow. Are you ready for that? Remember your death. There's a, there's a saying from Benedictine monks, momento mori, remember your death. They would greet each other. Whenever they'd see each other, they would hug their brother and they would say, momento mori, remember your death. Wow, what a crazy greeting, right? So, there's this, uh, I want to talk to y'all a little bit about the end of the world. At the end of your life, you have death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Those are the four last things. You have death. At the moment you die, you will have judgment. And whenever you are judged, you will either go to one of two places. You'll go heaven or hell. Obviously, there's purgatory, but if you're going to purgatory, that means that you will go to heaven eventually. Um, So, ultimately, your final destination is heaven or hell. What is hell like? Hell is a real place. The craziest thing that you can ever be told is that hell is not real. The greatest trick that the devil played was to convince everyone that he wasn't real and that hell wasn't real. The saints talk about hell all the time. The greatest depiction of hell, as you would probably think, is fire, right? So I've given this description to the students, so I'm going to give it to you guys. Think about hell. Think about fire. Have you ever burned yourself before? Burning yourself kind of hurts a little bit. Like you put your hand over fire real quick, and you, oh, you got a small little blister. That hurts. It hurts kind of a lot. Um, I don't know. I think I told you all this story, uh, the students, where I was uh, we were having Fourth of July, and uh, we were having. I was playing. Uh, I was giving one of those bottle rockets. You know, the the ones you hold in your hands and you shoot out. Uh, I had one of those. And this is the first time I ever used one on my own. And so what I did was I actually held it upside down. Yeah, I know. Uh, so I held it upside down, and I had it facing up like this. Like, oh, yeah, it's, gonna, it's way pointing away from me. It's going up. But I was wrong. And so I light it, and sure enough, it shoots right out into my face. And I fall backwards because I, I was like, boom, right in my face. And I was like, I burned myself. I had, like, shrapnel around my uh, body. Luckily, it's, like, it's cardboard, so it's not, like, like bad. Um, but I was, like, burned, and I was done for the night. I was done for the day. I was done for the next day. I was done for the day after that. Um, and that hurt a lot. And the fire only hit me for, like, a, a second before it bounced off somewhere else. So think about that. Think about the time that you've ever been burned in your life. Now, think about being burned in your entire body. The good thing about uh, being, having a sensory organ like our skin is that when you get burned too badly, your skin dies and you no longer feel any pain. So after a while, you'll be in pain, but then all of a sudden your, your skins are so dead that you don't feel anything anymore. Well, the problem is in hell, you don't have a body. You're, it's your soul. And our souls feel things more keenly. They feel things in a more intense, in a more real way. And so whenever your soul is burning, it feels the fire more intensely, more keenly, but also, your body gets consumed and you die eventually. But your soul never dies. It never gets easier. and never, You never get dull to the pain. And it stretches on to eternity. Think about eternity for a second. You can't. It's impossible. We think about our lives. 80 years of life. Then what? I was uh, in an uh, interview one time. I forgot what it was for. It wasn't for a job. I think it was for a volunteer thing, and they asked me, um, what, what's your goals in life, like long-term goals? Well, I said, oh, okay, I got a lot of short-term goals. My long-term goal is to get to heaven, because, you know, I got, I got like 50 years of life, and then all of eternity. So, you know, I got, if the long-term goals is heaven, then I have a lot of short-term goals during this life, you know? Um, and so, hell is a real place, and people go there. So I'm going to get back to that in a second, too. So I'm setting up a lot of things, so you got to keep track of all these things. So, I'm going to give you all a, little, a few statistics. 13% of Americans today are former Catholics. That means for every two converts to the Catholic faith, we lose 13 Catholics. For two Catholics that come into the faith, we lose 13 Catholics. In fact, former Catholics is the second largest religion in the, church today, in the world today. Isn't that crazy? The largest is still the Catholic Church. Imagine if we still had all those other people that left. Only 21% of Catholics go to church every Sunday. Only 21%. Don't raise your hands, but how many of y'all go to church every Sunday? 79% of former Catholics leave the church before the age 23. That means... The vast majority of the students here have already left the faith. 79% leave before 23. 62% leave before 18. Wow. 71% say they just gradually drift away from religion. 32% say the reason they left is because my family was never that religious growing up. Why is this important? Do you care for the souls of the people you love the most? Extra Ecclesiam Nolus Salus. That's a dogma of the church. Uh, it translates from Latin into English as, there is no salvation outside the church. St. Cyprian said, he who has turned his back on the church of Christ shall not come to the rewards of Christ. He is an alien, a worldling, an enemy. You cannot have God for your father if you have not the church for your mother. Our Lord warns us when He says, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. Whosoever breaks the peace and harmony of Christ acts against Christ. Whoever gathers elsewhere than in the church scatters the church of Christ. The reason why this is important, the reason why it's important that so many people are leaving the church and that we should care about this is because we care for the salvation of souls. We should want the people we love to go to heaven. And we should want the people we hate to get to heaven too. Didn't Jesus say that? To love your enemies? What does he mean by love your enemies? Does he mean love your enemies meaning, well, I'm just going to leave him alone. No, loving your enemies means wanting what's best for them. And what's best for them? To get to heaven. That's what's best. That's what's best. If you want what's best for your kids you want what's best for your siblings, for your parents, for your grandparents, for your friends, for your family, if you really love them, you will want them to get to heaven. St. Thomas Aquinas said that love is to will the good of the other for the sake of the other. So if you're willing the good for them, if you're willing what's best for them, you want them to go to heaven. So God does not want the lukewarm. In Revelations... The beloved disciple, St. John the Apostle, said, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I I would rather you be cold or hot, but because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will begin to vomit thee out of my mouth. God desires that you be hot. You're on fire for the faith. He said, it's okay if you're cold. I can work with cold. If you're extremely cold, you know, I can work with that. If you're lukewarm, though, that means you're indifferent. You're just like, I don't care. And if you're indifferent, Revelation says, I will vomit thee out of thy mouth. God doesn't want the lukewarm. He talks about it all the time. Luke chapter 13, it says, Jesus went through one town and village after another teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved? He said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able. When once the owner of the house has got up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. Then in reply, he will say to you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will say, I do not... Uh, then he will say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I do not know where you come from. Go away from me, all you evil evildoers. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrown out. You do not, you do not want to be the person at the end of, end of our lives knocking on the door and you see our blessed Lord and he says, I do not know you. And you will say, I was there with you. I came on Easter and Christmas. You'll say, you know, I prayed every once in a while. We, I talked to you every, every now and then. I, I wore a cross. He will say, I, will, I do not know you. Think about how extreme it is even for here. Because here, in Luke, these are the people that literally were walking side by side with Jesus. He literally walked in their streets. He went to their houses and he ate with them. And he says, you will knock. And I will say, I do not know you. Jesus says the road to uh, hell is wide and many people travel on it. The road to heaven is narrow and few people travel on it. Hell Is real. So is the devil. Scripture says that the devil prowls about the world like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. How many of us just drift to hell? None of us are running to hell. We're not like, yeah, I'm going to go murder people. We're not saying that. We're just drifting there because of indifference. We're not seeking heaven, but we're also not seeking hell. We're lukewarm. We're indifferent. That's detrimental to our souls. So, Scripture says. So the uh, we will hear the words at the end of our lives. Scripture says that Jesus says in the parable of the talents, he gives five talents to one servant, and he brings back even more, and he tells him, "My good and faithful servant." But then the other servant who who's given one talent. Buries the talent and does nothing with it. And at the end of, the, at the end of his life, whenever the, servant, whenever the master comes back, he undigs the talent and goes, You know, here you go. I uh, kept it safe for you. Here's the one talent. And he goes, You didn't do anything with the talent I gave you. And what does he tell him? He says, You wicked and lazy slave. You wicked and lazy slave. How many of us are drifting to hell? You're like, oh, well, I'm not like Hitler. I'm also not like Mother Teresa. I'm like somewhere safe there in the middle, right? But where should we be high- where should we running to? We should be running to be a saint. Fulton Sheen said, each and every one of us at the end of the journey of life will come face to face with either one or the other of two faces. And one of them, either the merciful face of Christ or the miserable face of Satan will say, mine, mine. May we be Christ. <sighs> There's a great saint, a modern saint, 1800s. Uh, he, his name is Saint uh, Bortolo Longo. Yeah, interesting name, right? Saint Bortolo Longo. This guy, uh, he grew up in a very Catholic family. His parents are very devout. In fact, uh, whenever he was really young, they saw that uh, he, after his first communion, he kneeled for hours, thanking God for the opportunity to receive him in the Blessed Sacrament. So his father died before he was 10 years old. And a few years later, over a course of time, he ends up going off to college, and uh, he ends up becoming ordained a priest. But it would surprise you to know that whenever he was ordained a priest, none of his family showed up. His uh, mother didn't show up, none of his siblings showed up, No one showed up. Um, In fact, he didn't even tell them about it. He didn't even tell them that he was getting ordained. And even if he had told them, they wouldn't have come. There's no way they would have showed up. And the reason why is because he was ordained a priest in a satanic church. Yeah. He grew up faithful. His parents were faithful. He grew up and he had great devotion in his early life. What happened? So he went off to college, and he had a philosophy class. And in this philosophy class, the professor was actually a former priest, a priest who left the church. And this priest, this former priest, who was his teacher, started giving him these crazy thoughts about that God isn't real, and that the church is false. And this guy, this professor, he brought him to a seance, Uh, For you who don't know what a seance is, a seance is a satanic ritual where someone uh, summons a demon to come into them, and then they let the demon take over their body and speak on their behalf. And so Bartolo Longo, while he was there, the person who had the demon in them, he he asked them, so which church is right? Is it the Catholic church or the Protestant church? And the demon says, neither, neither is real. All religions are the same. And he goes, oh, okay. And he goes, well, what about the Ten Commandments? What about the Ten Commandments? Are those valid? And the devil is clever. The devil's clever because the devil won't, uh, doesn't try to scare you. The devil will try to tempt you a little bit at a time. Because if he shows his ugly face, we'll run to the church and hide. And so he shows off slowly. And he drags you in slowly. And so he says, yeah, yeah, the Ten Commandments, it's good. Ten Commandments are good, except the sixth one. The sixth one is not right. What's the sixth commandment? Yes. Nope. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Because he knew the weakness of Bartolo Longo. He knew his weakness. And so he just gave him just an inch. He goes, the sixth commandment's not that big of a deal. The other ones, you know, those are good. The sixth one, we're, they were actually wrong about that one. And so he starts down this path to the point where he becomes ordained a satanic priest. Wow. So he went down this path for years. And one day he runs into a different professor that he had back when he was at university. Uh, This this, uh, professor sees him and his face is worn out. It looks like all the color from his skin has been taken away. And the professor goes to him And he says, what's wrong? Are you okay? And the thing about sin is it makes us less human. It takes away who we are. It strips it from us. The person who is most fully alive, those are the saints. The people who are most fully alive is our Lord, who had no sin. The person who is most fully human is our lady, who never committed a sin in her life, who's not even tainted by original sin. That, that's what it means to be fully alive. That's what it means to be fully human. Sin strips us of that. St. Thomas Aquinas said, sin is a privation of God. So the more you take away is the more you're sinning. And so when they saw Bertolo Longo, he said, something's wrong. You look off. Your skin's pale. You look gross. You look tired. And he says, yeah, I've been, I've been hearing voices. And he says, what voices? He goes, I, mean, I hear my father. He goes, Your father has been dead since you were 10. He goes, yeah, What is he saying? And Bartolo Longo says, I hear my father say, Repent. Over and over again, repent, repent, repent. At this point, Bartolo Longo has uh, become a lawyer. He's one of the most uh, prestigious lawyers in the area where he lives. Uh, not so much as, like, the world, but he was pretty cool. He was a pretty good lawyer. And so, at the time, uh, the professor sees that something is off with him. And he doesn't understand what to do. So he tells, you know, I know this really holy priest. A Dominican priest, actually. So, um, Dominicans, awesome. Uh, he sends him to this Dominican priest. And as a good Dominican, as all good Dominicans uh, will do, is he was well-versed in St. Thomas Aquinas. And so, uh, Bartolo goes to him. And throws all these accusations at him. And throws all these arguments that he's heard from his professors. And throws all these things that he's come up with. And as a good Thomas, someone who studies St. Thomas Aquinas, he was able to answer every single one of his questions. And his heart was changed. He was like, he was confused. And so he started coming to meet with his priest over and over and over again. He became a spiritual director. And eventually, he confessed to him, and he confessed all his sins, and he was forgiven of all his sins. Here comes the problem, though. He had done a lot of bad things in his life as a satanic priest. If you want to know about what satanic priests do, uh, there's this guy, Zachary King. He's a, he actually is alive today. He's a Catholic now. He was a former uh, satanic wizard, actually, and he, um, and he would, it was pretty crazy. He talks about his life. He has given a lot of interviews. Um and he um very interesting guy. If you want to have nightmares, you should look him up and listen to his story. It's really scary. Um so the so if you want to know, yeah, he did a lot of bad things. He uh Zachary King said that he broke all the 10 commandments by the time he turned 14. So, yeah, pretty bad. Uh, so he he had done a lot of bad things in his life. And so the thing about Satan, is Satan tries to get you in any way he can. So now that this guy is already back in the faith, he's back in the church, in the bosom of the church, Saying still there, and he's whispering in his ear. He's whispering in his ear lies, saying you're not good enough. So Bartolo Longo was sitting in church one day, and he sees a baby get baptized, and all of a sudden he has these flashbacks. He sees the baby and he remembers this baby, is promised to God now. He's th- this baby, our Lord is saying, Mine, mine. And he realizes he, Bartolo Longo, had been consecrated to Satan. And that he allowed Satan to come to him and say, Mine, mine. And he despaired. He despaired. He believed he could not be forgiven. He believed that everything he's done is too much. And he has the same welling feeling in his heart. The same one that Judas had. And what did Judas do? He hung himself. So Bartolo Longo was dwelling in this. And he goes to talk to his uh, spiritual director, this Dominican priest. And if you know anything about St. Dominic, St. Dominic was given the Holy Rosary. He was given the rosary, and he told him to proclaim the rosary. So this Dominican priest, he reaches in his pocket, and he pulls out a rosary, and he gives it to Bartolo Longo. And when he gives it to Bartolo Longo, he says, pray this prayer. Say this prayer. And Bartolo Longo goes, well, that's just superstition. That won't help me. I'm not into all those superstitions. You know, I bought the whole God thing. I get the whole Catholic thing. I, I get the sacraments, the rosary. That's just superstition. And he goes, if it's just superstition, just try it. Do it one time. Say the rosary once. So Bertolo Longo decides he's going to pray the rosary one time. And when he prays this rosary, as he's praying the rosary the demon that's clutching his back, that's attached to his back, starts screeching in pain. Because this demon was attached to him. It was attached to Bertolo Longo. And Our Lady crushes the head of Satan. And so seeing him pray the rosary, calling upon Our Lady to be with him, was harming the demon on him. So the demon was lurching in pain and was attacking Bartolo Longo as he's praying the rosary. When he finishes the rosary, the demon is gone. And he's not plagued anymore with this doubt. He understands the forgiveness of God. He understands that there's nothing we can do that can separate us from the love of God. All we have to do is go to him. The sacrament of the of a confession I hope all the students here have gone to confession. I know most of y'all have. I hope all of y'all have gone to confession and you're ready to receive the sacrament of confirmation fully and entirely. For the parents and sponsors, I encourage you to get to confession. When was the last time you've been to confession? Don't answer that. It's a good season to get to confession. Easter season. We're still celebrating the season of Easter. Christus Resurrectus. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Let us run to confession and celebrate the risen Lord. There is nothing that you can do that can separate you from the love of Christ. All you have to do is knock and the door shall be answered unto you. That's all you have to do. So seek forgiveness. Seek confession. So, sanctity like vice is contagious. I'm going to keep repeating that. It's something my friend Joe McClain, uh would say all the time. He would say it all the time. He would always be like, uh, sanctity like vice is contagious. Sanctity like vice is contagious. And it got stuck in my head, um, and I love it. I love being reminded of it, because Bartolo Longo was really an image of that. He got caught onto vice, because vice is contagious. When you see someone doing something bad, you want to do it too. But the same thing with sanctity. As you see, the saints build off of one another. The saints follow one another. They are inspired by one another. So how many of you pray to become a saint? This one I do want you to raise your hands. Who here has prayed to become a saint? Yeah. Yeah. You do know that only saints get to heaven, right? There are only saints in heaven. I mean, some of us take longer to get there. We go through purgatory. But eventually, we're cleaned up and we're saints. Only saints get to heaven. Are you praying to become a saint? Are you praying for the sanctity of your family? There's this great saint, in fact, in fact is a family of saints: Saint. Macrina, Saint. Basil, Saint. Uh, Gregory of Nyssa, um, and then their siblings and then their parents, an entire family of canonized saints. Is that what you want for your family? Is that what you're seeking for your family? St. Basil the Great is one of the greatest doctors of the church. And St. Macrina, his older sister, is what made him that. He would come to his sister, and his sister would encourage him in the faith. And every time he'd get a little prideful, because St. Basil was a really smart guy. And he'd get a little pride. And his sister, he'd come home, and his sister would smack him across the head and be like, you need to humble. Um, That's what we're called to do as a family. We're called to make each other saints. To bring us to heaven. What is your goal? Is your goal to get to heaven? Is your goal to get your family to heaven? If it's not, maybe your priorities are messed up. Maybe you need to think about that. So for your, the confirmation sponsors, you'll have a job as a sponsor. Your job is to be there for your students, for your uh, kids, for your children in the faith. You're supposed to pray for them daily. Don't forget to pray for them every day. At the bare minimum, at the bare minimum, pray for them every single day. If you lose touch with them, and somehow you'll end up on opposite sides of the world, you can still pray for them. And your the students, you can know that at least one person in this world is praying for you. Whenever you're off in college, you're off wherever it is that you're doing, and you feel down, you know there's at least one person praying for you every single day. And that's your sponsor. Because that's their job. Their job is to pray for you. And also to give you guidance in your spiritual journey, to be there for you, but most importantly, to pray for you. So sanctity, like vice, is contagious. So what was the great commission of our Lord at the end of the the Gospel of Matthew? Matthew. He says, "Go forth to all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have commanded you." Saint Vincent Ferrer. This is one of the coolest saints ever. I love this guy. He's like awesome. So, I'll tell you all one story about him, um, and then I'll tell you all something he said. So, he was walking down the street one day, and he was he was committing he was having so many miracles that his abbot told him, "You need to stop doing miracles. Like seriously, you stop doing miracles." And so St. Vincent goes, okay, all right, I don't want to do any miracles anymore. And so he's walking down the street, and all of a sudden he sees this guy, a mason worker, who's building a house, and he falls off. And St. Vincent goes, wait right there! And the guy freezes in midair. The guy freezes, floating in the air. He goes, I have to ask my abbot permission to save you. And so he runs back to his monastery. He knocks on his abbot's door. And the abbot comes out and he's like, what's going on? He goes, this guy, he fell off a house. Can I save him? And he goes, wait, 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 wait. Where is he right now? He's like floating above the street. He's like, what? Yeah, go save him. So St. Vincent runs back over. And by the time he gets there, the entire street is covered with people. People are surrounding and looking up like, what the heck is going on? And so St. Vincent gets there. He looks up and he says, The abbot said you can come down. And the guy slowly floats down to the street below. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? They said that he performed eight miracles a day for 20 years. You know, he's not like this weird ancient saint uh, where there's like legends about him. He was actually alive in the 1400s, the same time as uh, Dante. You know, the Dante's Inferno uh, and all those things. St. Thomas Aquinas was in the 1200s. So, yeah. Like, it's pretty crazy. So, he called himself... Uh, He said, our Lord appeared to him and said that you will be the angel of judgment. And so people thought he was crazy for saying that. They said like, angel, what are you, what the heck? And so they, uh, whenever they, they didn't believe him. So he said, at least that lady over there that just died, bring her over here. So he brought the lady over and he goes, tell them who I am. And she gets up and says, he is the angel of judgment. And then she lies back down and dies. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, so this guy, he was a Dominican. Ah, good Dominicans, right? All Dominicans. Yes, wonderful. Uh, so the goal of Dominican life is to preach the gospel. So he went into a church, into a synagogue uh, with a bunch of Jews, and he was preaching the gospel to these Jews. And at the end of his preaching of the gospel, the entire synagogue converted to Catholicism, and they renamed the synagogue after Our Lady. Isn't that awesome? They named the synagogue after Our Lady, And so he did it again to another synagogue. And this time he came in with the cross. And he started preaching about the cross. And after he was done preaching about the cross, they renamed the synagogue Holy Cross. Yeah, and this guy, uh, his name was Abraham. He he was uh, like, nope, I'm not buying it. And he was leaving. And as he was leaving, the arch of the door collapsed and crushed him. And St. Vincent runs up to him and kneels over him and prays over him. And the guy gets up and he says, "The Catholic faith is a true faith." Yeah, our mission is to bring people to the faith. That is our mission to get to heaven and bring as many people with us. That is our job. That is what we're going for. Saint Vincent Ferrer, sanctity like vice is contagious. He was a holy man. He would sleep sleep on the floor for penance. He wouldn't eat except for Sundays. He'd only eat on Sundays, and then on Sundays he'd eat a small meal because he wanted to do penance for the sins of the people. And he called others to do penance as well. Is that Jesus said that some demons can only be driven out with sackcloth and ashes, which means penance. That's why we have the season of Lent, the one we just got out of. But you know, penance isn't just for Lent. You can do it year-round. So what's the goal of your life? What's more important? On Sundays, is it a baseball tournament? Is it sleep? Is it, what is that? Church first. Amen. Church first. What is your, the bare minimum. The bare minimum. All he's asking. The Lord of the universe is asking you, give me one hour on Sunday. Give me one hour on Sunday. That's it. Bare minimum. Now, I'd encourage you to do way more than that. Please. But the bare minimum. He's asking you to be there on church on Sunday. Is school more important than God? Yes, school's important. Yes, sports are important. But at the end of your life, when you're at Judgment Day, and you're looking at the face of Christ, is he going to say, you know, you got to see on that paper once? Or is he going to say, what was your batting average? No, 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 that's not what he's going to say. He's going to say, what you do for the least of those? He's going to say, that you do the will of my father. We have to make a radical choice. Being Catholic is radical. I just gave you all the lives of many saints. And the one thing about all these things is they're radical. People say that being radical is bad. You don't want to be radical. But being radical is good in the Catholic faith. Because what does it mean to be radical in the Catholic faith? It means to be a saint. It means to die for the faith. It means being St. Teresa and going to the poorest of the poor and going over there and taking care of them. What does it mean to be radical as a Catholic? We're called to be radically Catholic. God does not want the lukewarm. He vomits them from his mouth. That's our job. Our job is to do that, so memento mori, remember your death. We're going to die pretty soon, relatively speaking, huh? I mean, me, I have 55 years. The students, y'all have a little bit more than that. And uh, everyone else, varying, I don't know. So, remember your death. 300 Catholics were killed on Easter Sunday in Sri Lanka. 300 Catholics going to Easter Mass, were murdered. They're martyrs now. Martyrs of the faith. The church is going to be persecuted one day. In America, speaking, because everyone else, they're already being persecuted. But in America, we have it pretty good. In America, we kind of like get used to the, like being lukewarm. We get away with it. But in other places, to be Catholic means to put your life on the line in a recent Pew Research study, 11 Christians die every hour. Every hour, 11 Christians die around the world. 11, every hour. That means while you've been sitting here, there have been 22 Christians that have been killed. By the end of the day, 264 Christians would have died today. By the time you get confirmed on Saturday, 1,300 Christians will have been killed for their faith. We have a radical faith. The North American martyrs, when they came to America, they were told, you need to make a decision before going to America. You need to make a decision. Are you willing to be a martyr? Are you willing to be a martyr? Are you willing to die for the faith? If they said no, they weren't going. Because at the moment when they have to make that choice, whenever they're told you need to condemn the faith, You have already made that choice. So I ask all of you, are you ready to be a martyr? Maybe you're not. Maybe you are. Are you ready to be a martyr? Are you going to make that choice? You're going to stand up for the faith? Or are you going to leave when it gets hard? Because life is hard. Life is hard. I'm young, and life is hard already for me. So I... Another 10 years, another 20 years, another 30 years. Life gets tough. I just took my first exam this morning, and I'm like, oh, life is so hard. And then I'm like, wait a second, 300 martyrs last week. Wow. Maybe I don't have it that hard. I don't know. So, what's next? Let me conclude with the last things with a few things. Uh, Saint Dominic, because I'm talking about Dominicans a lot. Y'all probably need to know who Saint Dominic is. Saint Dominic is the founder of the Dominican Order. Uh, Dominicans are actually—it's uh, a Latin for uh, "Dominicanus," which is like the hounds of the Lord, uh, because they would go around barking. They'd preach the gospel, running around and proclaiming the gospel. Hounds of the Lord, because um, "Domini" means Lord. And so the Dominicans would go out and they'd preach the gospel. That's their mission. And they proclaimed the rosary. That was their mission as well, to proclaim the rosary. So pray the rosary daily. Every day, pray the rosary. If you're not praying the rosary, start praying the rosary. I know every single one of the students has a rosary because I've given y'all one. And so the pray the rosary every single day. St. Dominic was known that he would not sleep at night. At night, he would stay in the chapel. And he'd be kneeling in prayer the entire night. And one time, one of his brothers was walking past as he was praying in the chapel. And he was weeping. He was crying. And they heard him mutter over and over again, What will become of poor sinners? What will become of poor sinners? What will become Of poor sinners. Over and over and over again. What will become of poor sinners? He loved people. He loved people. His desire was to win souls for God. To get them to heaven. And he cried because he knew so many people were stuck in their sin and would not move. He couldn't drag them out. He can't force them to repent. It has to be be your decision has to be your choice. God isn't going to save you by force. God gave us free will. He wants you to run to him. At any moment, he'll accept you. What will become of poor sinners? Do we love people enough to tell them they're wrong? Or do we just tolerate them? We just tolerate people, let them do what they do. Or do we love them? For the parents and sponsors, what's next? Well, we're at St. Augustine Catholic Church. Who is the mother of St. Augustine but St. Monica? Our job, your job as parents and sponsors, is to pray for your kids. Pray for them. Whatever happens to them, you're responsible for their faith, but one day they're going to leave. And when they leave, you can pray for them. Pray for them always, over and over and over again. Constantly I hear people say, My son, my daughter has left the faith. What can I do? How can I convince them? You can't. You can't always convince them. But you can pray for them. Pray that God puts someone in their life. Pray that God brings them. Pray that God smacks them across the head and says, come back. Pray for them. Pray the rosary. Encourage them in the faith. For the students, let no one look down upon you because you are young, but be an example. You're called to be holy. Maybe, maybe people in your family, maybe people in your life, they're not as holy. But don't let anyone look down upon you because of it. But be an example. Stand up and say, I don't care that I'm young. What's right is right. It has nothing to do with my age. Be like St. Jose Sanchez de Rio. Stand up for the faith. And say, long live Christ the King and live the Virgin Guadalupe. That is our calling. So pray the rosary. Get to Mass at least on Sunday. Go to confession. At least once a month. Come on. Once a month? Y'all can do once a month. So pray the rosary. And we're going to pray the rosary, and that's how we're going to conclude today. And, um, yeah, parents, have you ever thought about encouraging your kids to uh, think about their vocation? Think about whether they're called to married life or priesthood or the religious life? Maybe they have a vocation. Does that scare you? Does that make you uncomfortable? Being Joining religious life is the greatest good for them. It's what brings them closest to God. And they will be most happy there if that's their calling. So don't be afraid of a vocation. If they're called, they're called. Encourage them in that vocation, whatever it is. If it's married life, then great. You have your grandkids. If uh, they are not called to a married life then great, you have spiritual grandkids. Wonderful. Because there will be spiritual mothers and fathers. So I want to leave y'all with that. And um, we will close out. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. I hope you enjoyed the talk. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email me at FonsecaProduction at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with people you think would benefit from this podcast or people who you know would uh, enjoy it. As you always feel free to subscribe at TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And let me close out in a Hail Mary. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ad deum quilletifica. O your